a hoodlum. Man, I've been called a whole lot worse. He was being very gracious to me. A hoodlum. Wow. That's pretty cool, I think. Yeah. Guys, this is not my spot, so you need to bear with me, okay? Uh, let's, let's go to the Lord. Oh, Lord Jesus, to be still. Psalms 46.10, you tell us that um, we can intimately know you if we're willing to be still. You'll make yourself known to us. And we've got such an amazing opportunity that you've set before us here this weekend to get still with you. And I know in every breath that I take in these lungs, Lord, that um, you will meet every man, if only they can be still. And Lord, I pray right now that these words be your words. For I have nothing to offer you in the flesh. With my intelligence or everything you've given me, I've got nothing. But you who lives within me, you have it all. And I trust you. I surrender to you. I give it all to you. And I ask that you would speak to our hearts. Move us. Change us. Break us. Whatever it takes, Lord, for us to understand abandonment and trust, I ask in your son's holy name that you would do that right here, right now, today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read something to you and I'm going to play a video for you to watch. And it goes something like this. Once a refugee, now a man of God who surrendered his life to Christ and had decided to follow him. Once a refugee, now a man who is hungry to find treasures in, his, in God's word daily. Once a refugee, now a man who's committed to prayer. Once a refugee, now a man who accepts his position in life with gratitude, knowing God has worked for him there. Once a refugee, now a man of God who loves freely and unconditionally. Once a refugee, and now a man who is, is not easily offended and is willing to forgive quickly. Once a refugee, and now a man who is dependable and trustworthy. Once a refugee and now a man who walks in an intimate, abiding relationship with Jesus. Once a refugee and now a man who considers others better than himself and looks to serve them. Once a refugee and now a man who looks at each person he meets as an opportunity to bless. Once a refugee and now a man who is free from worldly desires, dead to sin, alive in Christ. Once a refugee, now a man who gives generously, viewing nothing as his own possession. Nothing. Once a refugee, now a man who understands his spiritual gifts and uses them for the glory of God, not himself. Once a refugee, now a man who knows how much he needs fellow influencers in his life to keep him strong. Once a refugee, now a man who is willing to let God guide his plans, chart his course, each day. Once a refugee, now a man who knows how much he needs the help of the Holy Spirit, who lives in here, to be the man God intends him to be. Once a refugee, and now a man who knows this earth is not his home, and he looks forward to heaven with great Anticipation. Quite frankly, I haven't been a Christian all that long. I've only been a believer since uh, I was 66, and I'm 75 now, so uh, it's nine years ago. Prior to uh, becoming a believer, uh, I spent seven and a half years in the military, and 
I was an officer. I was uh, in Vietnam. I was a troop commander with the 11th Armored Cavalry. Uh, when I did get out of the service, uh, I came to Northwest Arkansas and uh, eventually joined Walmart. Sam Walton hired me. I spent uh, 25 years with Walmart, and since then I've spent 20 years with my own company. I just formed my own company. And uh, during that 25 years with Walmart, I was responsible for all real estate and construction worldwide. The kind of person I was before I became a believer, I, it's, it's kind of interesting. I didn't think I was that bad. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was all about Tom. I was all about making money. I was all about rising as high as I could, as fast as I could. And that's what I wanted to be able to do. And uh, at that point in my life, I had three sons and uh, I wound up getting a divorce from my wife. So what it makes me think is that uh, the pursuit of things like wealth and high position, uh, working as hard as people tend to work at Walmart, and in fact, anywhere where you're trying to uh, make a lot of money and, 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 and high position, uh, that's probably anywhere. It doesn't. It's not just Walmart. So I was, you know, I was prideful. I was arrogant. I was judgmental of people. Uh, I traveled a lot. It was all about. It was really all about me. And uh, that's not to say that I didn't have a good relationship with my sons. I did, but uh, I didn't have the relationship I wished I had. I was just kind of sitting in my chair one night having a drink, watching TV, and all of a sudden this cross, this thought enters my, crosses my mind about, is this what life's all about? You just work hard, make a lot of money, spend a lot of money, have a good time, go places, have fun, and then one day you're gonna die, and that's it. And then three days later, nobody remembers who you were. And I'm thinking, you know, why am I thinking about this? I've never thought this before. And uh, so I had this strange feeling. And uh, from that strange feeling, I had it for like three months. And this was in late October. And then in January, I get a call from a, a lawyer. And the lawyer says, Tom, I'd like to have you be a witness in a lawsuit that I have. And I said, well, why don't you come to Bentonville? He was in Tulsa. I said, why don't you come to Bentonville and we'll talk about it. So he did. And he came to Bentonville and we talked about it and I agreed. I knew his client and I said, yeah, I'll be glad to be a witness. Then he started witnessing to me about Jesus. I sat up straight in my chair and I said, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, what are you doing? I said, I'm a Christian. And the truth was, was that I was born in the United States, so, you know, basically I thought, it was, I thought I was a Christian. It's a good thing I wasn't born in Iran. I thought I was a Muslim. In fact, I probably would have been a Muslim. And uh, so <laughs> we'd meet each month and we would go over the trial. At the end of each session, he would witness to me. And <laughs> apparently he could figure out that I was not really a Christian. Finally, at the last meeting before the trial, he says, Tom, I want you to go buy a Bible. I said, Paul, I'm not gonna buy a Bible. I said, I've got three of those King James versions at home, and I said, you can't understand anything in them. You know, the pictures are pretty good, but I said, you know, you can't understand anything in them. And uh, he says, no, no, you don't understand. This Bible's about that thick. It's got lots of articles in there. It explains things, and it's in, it's in modern English. It's called the NIV, and he says, it's called Life in the Spirit Bible, and I'm one, I'd, I'd like you to go buy it. I told him I wouldn't, but I did. I went right to the, <laughs> to the bookstore and I bought the Bible. And I came home, changed clothes, and stuck it on the shelf in my closet. Four or five months passed, hadn't picked the Bible up. And uh, I'm in my closet changing clothes and I have this strange feeling coming over me like, is this, what, is this it? Is this life is just, I'm gonna die one of these days and that's it, it's over? And I look up and I see the Bible and I reach up there and I, I pull it down, I open it up 
and there's a plan that you can read the Bible in a year. Well, this was December, so I thought, well, I'll start January 1st. January 1st, I start reading the Bible, and uh, <laughs> I stay on track for about, I don't know, two months, and uh, that wasn't my personality. My personality was, hey, this is, this is pretty interesting. I want to read this, so I got ahead of the plan, and uh, in June of that year, uh, all of a sudden, I put the Bible down. I was, in the, I was somewhere in the New Testament, and I said, you know what? The Bible's real, Jesus is real, God's real. I have really screwed up. My whole life is, has been wrong. My wife's not a believer. I'm not sure about my children, my grandchildren. <sighs> I've made a terrible mistake with my life. And so at that point, I accepted Christ as my Savior. Amen. Amen. You know, there's many of you in this room that knows Tom C. And you remember the refugee. Right? You remember the refugee that guy was. He talks about it very openly. And what I just described to you, once a refugee and now an influencer, that's that man right there. And that's so many of you in this room. That's my, my brothers from Oklahoma, so many of them I've done life with you physically see the transformation happen from that refugee to that, that man of God. Uh, if you hang around or any of the guys from Bakersfield, man, you'll catch this disease called Jesus all over you because they just don't shut up about it, right? It's a beautiful thing. But that's many of you in this room that have seen that transformation. And that's all of us in this room. And here's what I want to talk to you about a little bit this morning. Yeah, I'm going to touch on that allegory that God inspired and spoke to Rocky's heart about, the refugee. But the reality of it is this, man. Some of us, many of us in this room today are still living a life of a refugee in the spirit. Pay attention. I know God has something for you here this weekend. It's time to get off the fence. It's time to cross that bridge. It is time to do that. You know why? We're running out of time. John 3.16, you all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave all he had. Why? For you and me. Why? So that we could have eternity. Why? So that we can understand to walk with him. Why? So that we can understand what it is to go from a refugee to an influencer. Why? So we can have freedom and peace and not happiness. Because happiness only lasts for this long. But joy in the Lord and it's eternal. That's why he gave it all. But you know, the theme this weekend is what? All in. Don't you say you're all in. If you haven't crossed that bridge. Don't you say you're all in if you're still living like a refugee in the spirit. Don't you say you're all in and you keep putting on the mask every day. I mean, you know, as I was watching Tom's video, I thought. Are you kidding me? An attorney was preaching to him. <laughs> I love you attorneys out there. OK, but 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 hey, it's OK. But there was something, I don't know if you caught on to that. Your attorneys probably did because you're detailed. Did you hear what he told Tom to do? Go buy your own Bible. <laughs> Cheapskate. Made him go buy his own Bible. It's either I'm going to charge you 500 an hour or you go buy your own Bible. You kidding me? But you know what? Jesus love attorneys just like they love this hoodlum right here. Okay? We're all on the same path here, guys. Let's be real about this. But look, he used, you know, we have all these attorney jokes, but look, we're all children of God. But we got to get off the fence. We've got to cross that bridge, right? So I'm going to show you a little slideshow. Uh, look at that. Man, can anybody read that? El viaje a la cámara interna. That's for my Hispanic brothers in the house. My Costa Rican brothers in the house. That's the journey to the inner chamber. 
Um, that's what that is. But I've got a slideshow to show you here, and I'm going to go through this really, really fast. Which direction? Where do I point? Give me a gun, I'll show you. <laughs> Just kidding. No guns allowed here at this camp. Guys, reference you. Take a good look at that picture. Take a really good look at that picture. Pretty horrendous, huh? We, we, we picture this when we think of Holocaust, right? A graveyard, something you see in a movie. These are some refugees, some refugees that are dead, right? There's no life. Is that you today in the spirit? Ask yourself that question. Is that you today? That's a refugee, right? A refugee, a man that does not really, truly, intimately knows his king. The one who died on the cross for him so he could have eternity. It's a refugee. He doesn't know him. He knows about him, but he doesn't know him. There's a difference. purpose of a refugee is how do you get out of that mode of being a refugee you've got to become a learner how do you become a learner there's only one way man to become a learner it's got to be in here many of you heard the word self-feeding you've got to self-feed don't show up to something like this and think you're going to listen to some guy standing up here and go check got it i got it all figured out you have to go and become a learner and get in his word. That's on you to do that. An influencer. Well, we hear so much about influencers. right? We're influencers. We call ourselves that. Are you really? Because I'm going to tell you, I, I keep reading the word. I try my best every day to get in and be a self-eater. And I've yet to find a mighty man of God in here. That's a pretty boy. No scars, no battle wounds, nothing. He is just a pretty boy. Man, his life has been perfect. Maybe a little bump here and there, but man, he, he is, he's got it all figured out. That is not an influencer for Christ. If you read the allegory, you remember the story of what he looks like. I, I, I always close my eyes and go back to those, that, that illustration of, you know, as learners looking at this man that's coming off the horse, and man, he's one scary dude. If you all watch the movie 300, he's a stout dude. If you don't remember the movie 300 and how stout those guys were, just take a good look at me. <laughs> that's what he looked like. And I'm telling you, there was a little bit of fear there until he looked into his eyes. And what did he see? He saw Galatians 5. He saw love, patience, kindness, self-control. He saw the fruit that can only come from the inside out. He saw the fruit of one who understands an abiding relationship that can only come from the inside out. It's the supernatural. You can't make it happen. Only God can. That's what he saw in that influencer. And he's not a pretty boy. He's been through the battle. He's been through the mud. He's been accused. He's been beaten. That's an influencer. Is that you? Because that's what an influencer looks like. And he wants to help you. He's all around you. Then you've got the broken world. Take a good look at that picture, guys. What's going on around us, all over the world? Kids being blown up, all, all, the, all the darkness all around us. And you know what? It's happening inside our own homes, and we act like everything is okay. And I, I'll touch a little bit on the guy there with the bottle. I'm not condoning you for having a beer or drinking. That's not what that's about. 
That's not what that's about. It's called addiction. That's the devil with his head right on your head, holding you down. And look at the background. The number one killer today of destruction in the family and marriages is what? Sexual addiction. Porn. porn. Are you toying with that? And calling yourself a man of God and telling everybody you're all in. Is that you in this room? Think about it. Because the Savior is waiting for you with open arms and he's saying, come. I will free you from it. You will find joy, peace, self-control. But it's only through him that you can do it. The pain, how many times we see so much pain around us, we just keep going. We look the other way. Becoming a mentor. That's what Influencer did with that refugee who became a learner, and then he began to mentor him. He walked with him. You know what walking with somebody looks like? So many of you know Pete, our brother Pete McKenzie, right, just recently. Said goodbye to his bride, sent her on to heaven. But there is so much pain with that. And when your brother hurts, you hurt. That's what a mentor does. When somebody hurts, you hurt. Their burden is your burden. You don't just say, oh yeah, I'll pray for you, see you later. That's not a man of God. That's not a man that's all in. If a brother hurts, you hurt. You hurt with him. You walk with him and you carry him. No men left behind. Some of you understand that really well. Become a mentor. Some of you are really mentoring other men, but you need to be healthy first. Here's that bridge. You all know what that bridge represents, and if you don't, this is going to be our challenge before we, I wrap up this morning, is the, the picture of what that bridge represents. To you in your life. Guys, don't toy around with that bridge. So many of us come right there. And man, it is scary to take that step. You got all this stuff, all the world holding you back. You've got all these good things, great things, all the fame, all the stuff you heard Tom talk about. You've got all these things. It's like, oh, it's okay. But the reality of it is in the deepest place of your heart there's something missing I've walked around the last 12 plus hours and there's so many of you in this room you've got this heavy burden upon you man you're just like God please help me free me from this and you're standing right there and look I'm not saying you're not a believer maybe some of you are not but so many of us say we've crossed that bridge and we're still standing at the edge of it. We act like we're on the other side. The other side's a great place to be, but you've got to trust. You've got to die to self. You've got to be all in. You've got to look at that scripture that says, so he gave his only son so that. You've got to truly embrace that and take it and say, okay, God, have your will. You've got to step out. That's that bridge. Let me show you another bridge. It's a word picture, guys. I'm just, I don't usually use PowerPoints, but look at the picture. Stop toying with the bridge. Acting like you've crossed it and you're still over here on the dark side where all that stuff is going on and you're just dancing in there like everything's okay. You've got to cross the bridge. He's waiting for you. Look, this is, not a, this is not an event and a retreat for you to feel good and then go home and go right back to your vomit. That's not what this is about. This is about you doing business with the created universe who, by the way, brought you here. I don't think anybody's here by mistake. You're here for a divine appointment. And that's with the king of kings and nobody else. That's why you're here. That's why you drove all the way out of here to the middle of nowhere. No cell reception. Some of you are just dying because you can't call home and talk to mommy. Wah, wah, wah. Are, uh, 
Listen, I want to be in a room with a bunch of men. Amen? Which means battle is out there. Are you ready to go to battle? Are you ready to give your life? Because that's what he's asking. I know there's some pastors in the room. I love picking at pastors. Listen, I know one thing Jesus did not do. He didn't give those guys a sermon on a Sunday and say, come back next week. Now, no offense, pastors. We need pastors. It's a calling. No, no. He said, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and what? Are you following him? Or are you just going, well, can you go ahead of me and fix that for me over there? And then I'll go. All right. Yeah, it looks good. Okay, here I come. What are you doing? No. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and let's go. And guess what? The let's go is not pretty. Quit fooling yourself thinking it's all going to be flowers and rainbows. God will walk you through it, right? He is behind us. He is with us. He goes ahead of us. That's the God we serve. Look at that bridge. Have you crossed the bridge? Oh, yeah, man, the outer courtyard. How many of us in the room today? We're still toying with this outer courtyard, the table of sweets and the junk food. Man, I am in church every Sunday, every Wednesday. I tithe. I do that mission trip once a year. Look, that's all good. And you still got that mask on. You're still eating all that junk. And you're getting fatter and fatter and fatter. Your arteries are clogging up. Your heart's beating less. You're tired. You can't... Because you're eating the sweets and the junk spiritually. Every piece of the knowledge information that you're taking in is from somebody else telling you. Instead of you taking the time to go here. Yes, I, I, guys, I'm the first one to admit. I go here and I read it and I go, I don't understand it. But then I ask the Holy Spirit to make it clear to me and he will do it every time. That's the way. That's the roadmap of life. It's right here. Great podcasts, great preachers, great teachers. We need all of that. But that alone is not sufficient. It takes you. That's the self-feeder. You meeting with him at the foot of the cross. You know, one of the greatest things that Rocky showed me years ago, for those of you who have been through the journey, there's that ladder, right? The ladder of enlightenment enlightenment to understand who God is in order to abide in him and it starts with God knows and then it's God cares then it's God is willing God is able and you understand how to abide so I was trying to figure out this whole transition thing and he tells me you know what picture the letter and it starts at the top and it's you abiding with Christ it's you at the foot of the cross mama can wait kids can wait job can wait everything else can wait it doesn't matter it's you at the cross connected with him this way Then, one step down, if you're married and you have a wife at home, pay attention. 1 Peter 3.7 tells us that we're to live with them with understanding. Look, they are from a different planet. There's no question. God made it that way. Just talk to him about it. But we're to live with them with understanding. It doesn't say you will understand her. It says live with her with understanding. Honor her and respect her. And so many of us have forgotten the word honor and respect according to Scripture. It's not the honor and respect that the world tells you. It's not. It's what the word tells you. That's a capital W. You know honor and respect? It's what Jesus talked about giving himself for the church, for the body of Christ. There's no strings attached. Love her as Christ loved the church. Are you kidding me? Woman, please shut up. No more. I know you felt that way. Some of you are feeling that way right now. Some of you left home that way this weekend. I'm out of here. But see, there's a second part to that scripture, if you remember, 1 Peter 3, 7. Live with her with understanding, honor and respect her so that You know, the word sowed that in scriptures, God is making you and I a promise. He keeps his promise. You can take it to the bank every time so that your prayers will not be hindered. 
Man, you want God to hear your prayers? Honor and respect her. You know what? You walk through the door and she could be the biggest barracuda. You honor and respect her. You love her as Christ loved the church. You turn the other cheek every time. Why? So he will hear your prayers. It's really that simple, man. Don't complicate it. Table of sweets. Quit toying with it. Quit stuffing your face with that junk. False Christianity, false prophets, feel-good gospel, blah, 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 blah. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Scripture tells us, pay attention. In the end of times, you're going to have a lot of that, and it's going on. I'm not going to bore you today. You know who that is and what it looks like. And if you don't, pay attention. It's everywhere. Watered-down gospel. Look at, look, at, look at that sheep. Does he look familiar to you? Look what's inside of him. You know what? You've heard it. He comes like a thief in the night to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Let me tell you something. Please hear this. He comes to steal your joy and your hope. Because if you don't have joy and you don't have hope, he's not, he doesn't come to steal your happiness. He wants you to be happy with all the junk he's throwing at you. No, he comes to steal your joy and your hope. He comes to kill you. It doesn't say wound for you sports fanatic. It doesn't say put you out for a quarter of the game. It doesn't say put on a Band-Aid or uh, fix your leg or give you crutches. No, no. It says he comes to kill That's literally take every bit of life out of you, put you in a coffin, put you six feet under, nail it shut and cover it. You're done. Why? Steal, kill, and destroy. What does he destroy? Your family, your heritage, your legacy. That's his job. That's the enemy's job. Steal, kill, and destroy. And many of us are walking around knowing that we're living in life of being stolen from. We're walking around dead. And everything is destruction around us. And we wonder why. Because there's an enemy and that's his job. And unless you understand and you have crossed the bridge and you're all in and you've surrendered your life completely. That's where you're going to be. That's where you're going to be. Lots of sheep running around, man. They're just wolves ready to devour you. The banquet table. Man, I love the picture of that banquet table. Here's why. Look how long it goes for. See, we live in an age when we think of the word discipleship, which is what this is all about, right? If you're an influencer and you've been through the journey and understand what it's all about, it's discipleship one-on-one, bare bones, basics. Be enlightened to know him, being able to understand how he uses you and go live it out. But you've got to go through the table. I love every time I start a journey group, I ask the men the very stupid question. It's silly. They laugh at me a lot of times. And I go, man, where are you at the table? And if a man is truly honest, he'll tell you, I'm not even sitting at the table. But there's always that one guy, right? He says, oh, I'm over there on the other end. Steak and potatoes every day. And I promise you, if he tells you that, he's a liar. You'll know he is. Now, there are some that are there, but I'm telling you. I'm talking about most of the world around us today. That's where it's at. So why the banquet table? Why that process? Why that progression from a refugee to becoming that learner, to understand who the influencer is and the mentor that's walking you through to that bridge so you can make the decision? Why all of that? Because once you surrender and you're all in, then you begin to sit at the table. And yes, it starts with baby food. You don't take an infant and give him steak and potatoes, he'll choke and die. He starts with baby food. And then it's solids, and then he works through. And so many of us are still at the baby food section. But we walk around telling everybody, I got this. I'm a man. Yeah. We walk around, you know what? Some of us study this front and back, and that's good. We should. And man, I mean, 
Every word out of their mouth is quoting scriptures, da 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 da. But you know what? There's a radical difference. And that's what we talk about this abiding relationship. Because once you embrace being connected to the vine, you understand that knowledge without heart is just theory. It's got to go 12 inches from the head to the heart, guys. He talked much. The word is very clear in matters of the heart, the wellspring of life. It's got to be a heart change. We can't walk around with just the knowledge in our head and no heart. It's got to happen here. And there's only one way that that happens. And that's through an abiding, intimate relationship with the king. And before that happens, once again, you've got to cross the bridge for you to be able to go through this table. You've got to cross the bridge. There is a spiritual progression. Man, steak and potatoes sounds really good. The inner chamber, you know what that is. This was the thing Brian was talking about. This is what rocked my world 10 years ago. I looked at those words above that door. I saw that little open door, that picture of the two chairs and the fireplace and the armor of God sitting there. And I had been that Christian. Everything, check, 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 check in the boxes. But I had no clue what it looked like to be in the inner chamber. None. I had no clue what that table represented. We live in the microwave age, and we do it with discipleship every day of the week. You know, you stick the bag of popcorn in the microwave, and if any of you remember, if you hit the popcorn button, it's two minutes. It gets to a minute and 58 seconds, and what do we do? We open the door. We don't want to hear the ping. We do the same thing with our spiritual walk. Same thing. We want it, we want it now. Check what's next. That is not what his word teaches us. It is not. That's not the table, the banquet table. It takes time, man. You're going to meet Matt. You're going to meet men here. They've been walking and struggling and battling for 30, 40, 50, 60 years trying to understand self-feeding, trying to understand what that banquet table looked like, trying to understand what it takes to be in the inner chamber to come out as an influencer for the world around them. And by the way, make no mistakes, you're an influencer to your first ministry. And that's a whole other talk. That's your family. It's not a building. It's not a place. It's not. It's your family. That's why he comes to steal, kill, and destroy your family. But I remember looking at those words above the door and it said, one who enters here must do so by what? Total self-abandonment and absolute trust. You're joking and fooling yourself if you think that's an easy thing to do. You know it's not. It takes heart. It takes pain. It takes discipline. It takes pruning. It does. Read the book of James. It takes a lot that you will go through battles, trials, you name it, to understand abandonment and trust. It's okay. He's walking you through it. But you've got to be all in. You've got to cross the bridge. The getaway, you guys know about the getaway. You know what? Consider this week in a getaway, right? It's a getaway. Somebody's going to meet you there, and you know who that somebody is. He's not just a somebody. He is the king of kings, the holy of holies. He's the one that created you, knitted you in your mother's womb before creation and I observed you. He's the one that said before a first day happened, I know that day and every day after that. That's who you're meeting with. Go meet with him. I know you all love the picture of your movie buffs. You know, I'm, I'm going off the, the, the Gabe and the guy that met Gabe, right? I don't know. Maybe it looks something like that. In this culture we live today, man, I mean, uh, you know, I'll, I'll touch on it because I know it's sensitive. If your skin color is a little different, it's like, I don't know if I'm going to hang out with you. That's not what he was trying to point out to us. All we were trying to see there is the fact that there is a Gabe in you. And there is a Gabe around you and go hang out with him. Let him show you some things and share what Gabe shared with that man that showed up at his door. You know, somebody invites you in, go in. And if you're that influencer and somebody knocks on your door, 
Answer the door. Invite them in. It's okay. Some of you guys in the room are thinking, man, I'm, I'm, I'm 60, 70, 80. Uh, man, I've done everything. I'm, quit telling yourself you're done. You're just getting started. Guys like me, you know, 21, good looking, lots of hair. I'm looking for an older gentleman to walk with me. Quit buying the lie that you're done because you've lived your life and you've retired and you get to play a lot of golf. There are guys all around you begging for you to walk life with them and mentor them and talk about what it looks like to step off that bridge and go across. You're here. Grab somebody. For crying out loud, do something. Be a man. Once a refugee and now, I want you to hear another story of a brother, Brad. Man, once a refugee, and talk about an influencer. Whew. Powerful. They'll get this video, watch this. I met Frank when we moved to Oklahoma from Virginia, and I was dead when I moved here. I was a pastor at a church. Um, and really, that church had fallen apart. The pastor of that church had had some struggles with fidelity that I was unaware of, and because of my past, when he pushed me away, I ran, and I pushed him back, and I got bitter towards the church. I got bitter towards God's people. and. So when I met Frank, he started asking me, hey man, I want you to come check this thing out. I want you to come check this thing out. And I decided I'd give it a couple, a couple meetings. And, and I walked in to the first meeting at, at Regent Bank over there, which is just God working because I'm very blue collar rooted. And this is a group of, of guys with high collars and ties and the exact opposite of, of where I'm comfortable. And I tell you what, I I went on a roller coaster from that point on. You know, I have a I have a history checkered with a lot of different things, from violence to porn addiction, and God has used this journey so much in all of that because it's always words I've used, but but you know, this is probably the first time in my life where an abiding relationship with Christ is more than a religious term. Um, I, I have an intimacy with my Savior now that never existed. Um, in leading my wife, I'm more desperate for my wife to know Christ, um, whereas before I was more desperate for her to know the Bible, um, which so easily I think becomes our God, right? And now, I would say that I'm in the deepest abiding relationship I've ever been in. You know, I, I talk to my king every day because he is sovereign and he is my God and he is my king and he's great and he's mighty and he's so huge I can't even fathom him, but he walks beside me. You know, it's, it's like Adam in the garden is what we got through Christ, that abiding in Christ allowing the blood in my veins to come from the root. It's changed me. I mean, I guess that's all I can say is it's changed me. It's, I'm not the same man I was two or three years ago. And I think that would be greatest evidence if you asked my wife. And she would be very honest and tell you, man, we've gone, gone through the goods and the bads, the ups and the downs. and. When I fell away from the church, I fell away from God because I was honestly chasing the church and not God. I think, I think all the way through this, if you talk to men who have really gone on this journey, the last thing they would say is that it's a Bible study or a curriculum. It's not. Um, there's a book that facilitates something incredibly beyond. And I've had, I've had the pleasure 
and I've been humbled and honored to walk beside 25 guys now that I have witnessed fall desperately in love with Christ from from guys that have walked the streets of Tulsa as drug dealers and addicts to CEOs of major corporations standing side by side locking shields and six inches at a time pushing light into the darkness because they're falling deeper in love with Christ and that's all there is to it you know I think the journey is phenomenal material but if you asked me to define the journey I wouldn't define it to you as a book I wouldn't define it to you as Rocky Fleming uh, I wouldn't define it to you as Pete McKenzie I would define it to you as the heart of Christ dragging us to himself if I was just trying to talk to another man and encourage him to get involved in the journey, I would just have to look him in the eyes and say, God is bigger than your cowardice. God is bigger than your fear. And you don't have any excuses that are valid enough. Um, you're either chasing the world or you're chasing the king. There's no in-between. There's no gray area in that. I love looking men in the eyes and challenging them to go deeper, to, to think deeper to want deeper and to go on a journey with a bunch of brothers who don't care about denominations, who don't care about charismatic versus conservative, who don't care about any of the junk that has stood in the way of Christ getting into our hearts and our lives. And I, I love that you're gonna you're gonna meet guys that think way differently than you. I've I've been around guys that have every theological background and doctrinal background, and some of them I think, man, that's crazy. But you know what? We've discovered that we meet at Christ. We've discovered that Christ desires the same from us. And even throughout the process, you're gonna discover that we truly are a body, all gifted differently and all completely and totally necessary. Amen. Guys, there's hundreds upon hundreds, thousands of stories like that. Once a refugee and now an influencer, a man of God who's walking with him. So you leaders in the room, I need you to exit at this time, and you know where you need to go as I close. Guys, here just I got a couple more minutes that I need you to just bear with me with this, and I want you to please hear these words, and I hope they speak to your heart. I want you to remember that bridge. I want you to remember that there's only one way to be all in, and that is you've got to cross that bridge that God puts before you. And look, and hear me on this. I'm not here to condemn you and tell you you're not walking with Christ or you've not surrendered your life. What I'm saying is there, there's many of us. You know, we went forward once upon a time because we were at camp and our 10-year-old little buddy went forward. So we went forward. It was the right thing to do. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've really been, thought you were all in, but you've continued to live a life of a refugee in every term in the flesh. You need, there's only one way to be all in, and you've got to surrender and take that step across that bridge. This is from my heart to your heart. I hope you hear these words. God's goodness over our lives far exceeds anything we've experienced. We've only yet splashed, played with, around the shallows of God's deep love and mercy. In order to dive deeper into the fullness of life, to be all in, so that that's available to us, we must learn how to posture, position our hearts with His heart. My prayer for us today and this weekend is that our relationship with God would be enriched these next few days and that we would position ourselves to receive 
everything our loving God has to offer us. Matthew 10, 39. Hear these words. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus makes an important statement in Matthew 10, 39. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What does it look like to lose your life for his sake? What does it look like? How is it possible to find life as a result of losing it? I mean, that's crazy. You and I are only truly living to the degree, to the degree that we've surrendered our lives to Christ. True life is eternal, kingdom-based, and fueled by the love of God. Life apart from God is fleeing and it's meaningless. It is for this reason. And Solomon, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 1.14, he said, I have seen everything that is done under the sun. And behold, all is vanity and a striving after the wind. Stop chasing after the wind, guys. You can't grab the wind. We have an opportunity every day to lay our lives, our lives down at the feet of Christ at the cross in response to his great love that we might experience abundant life that only he can give. Surrender positions our hearts to receive the incredible reward of being fully his. Surrender. It's the only way. God won't force this blessing upon you or me. He won't do it. He won't force his presence or his love. He patiently draws us near, hoping that in response to his overwhelming affection, we will lay down our lives that we may experience all he has in store for us. But we've got to cross that bridge. He's waiting. Humbling ourselves before God, our King, Creator, Sustainer, is absolutely vital in going deeper and being all in. Pride so often stands in the way of God's conditional promises. Scripture is clear in James 4, 6. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Promises like that. Seek first His kingdom of God and righteousness, and all, all, not some, all these things will be added to you. Matthew 6.33, do you find that? Require a level of humility and surrender that most aren't willing to give. Most of us are not willing to surrender like that unless we're willing to embrace Him and go, God, help me. We often associate humility with weakness when in reality declaring our weakness before an almighty God is the only posture of strength we can take. It's for that reason that Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11.30, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Quit being afraid of showing your weakness. God uses your weakness. That may be the only posture, the only thing you could possibly do to go, God, I am weak. I'm dying right here. And that's when he raises you up and make you that man that he's created you to be. It's okay. God is an endless ocean of love, help, healing, and power. So many of us here need healing. We need his love. We need those burdens that whatever it is that's going on in your life, man, God is saying, look, it's endless. I have endless resources. Endless. You can't outdo him. The Holy Spirit who dwells within you longs to empower you with everything you need to truly live in the fullness of life available to you. If you will choose to lay down your life and surrender to God's plans, purpose, truth, and perfect will, you will experience a life unlike anything you've ever known. Test him. He says, test me. Guys, test him. 
cast aside all your pride and selfish ambition that you might pursue the wonderful abundant life of one submitted to the Almighty, the omnipotent, the omnipresent and fully loving Father. This is your time. Today is the day. I'm asking you. I'm asking you in this little time of worship here in the next few moments to think about that bridge. What does it look like to you? Stop toying around with what that bridge represents. And if you haven't crossed the bridge, cross the bridge today. If you need to rededicate and finally say, okay, God, I'm all in. Do that today. Do that today. I'm asking you to die to self, to surrender, and perhaps for the first time in your life, you, you can find that place of humbleness to die to that pride. And I know, man, I'm the same way. We are so stinking hard-headed about our pride because we think that's our identity and we got to be tough and we got to show off. No, no, no. Let God show off in you because he will. And it's a much brighter light in a very dark place. Look, guys, right outside these doors, you've walked across it, most of you. There is a bridge. I'm a word picture person. There is a bridge. I think most of you have crossed it. This is what I'm going to ask you to do in the next few minutes. I'm going to ask you to do business with God and then walk out these doors and go cross that bridge. Let that be a representation of you crossing that bridge and think about everything you've heard this morning that might have pierced your heart and touched your heart about that process of being a refugee and becoming a learner and stepping out of that life and becoming an influencer for Christ's sake. This is not about a ministry or a book or any given one of us. Sure, and the heck ain't about me, I can tell you. Go find that peace and joy that only God can give you. Be a man. You know, the molecules, the DNA that holds you and I together says that you're to be the spiritual leaders of your family. You can't change that. God created that. And you know what? And if God has blessed you with one of his daughters, man, that daughter, the molecules, the DNA that holds her together, says, I need that kind of man to lead me. That's you and I's job. That's our sacred responsibility. You have an opportunity to be that man. There's a bridge. Picture that. Cross the bridge today. I promise you, you will never regret it. Everything will start to look different to you. Everything. Test him. Guys, I promise you, there is a bridge right there. You movie buffs, Indiana Jones, right? Take that step. Your bride depends on it. Your children depends on it. Some of you have kids right now, they're in a battle and a struggle, man, and you've done everything you know to do. And they're still going that opposite direction. And you, you there's no money that can fix it. There's no fame. There's nothing. There's no power in this world that can fix it. But he can. And so often it starts, as we know, it does with a daddy that has a humble heart that is surrendered, that's all in, to embrace his kid, just like the prodigal father. He wasted it all. And what did his dad do when he saw him afar? He said, come, let's have a party. Some of you need to be doing that with your kids. And you can't unless you're all in, unless you cross that bridge. So I'm going to shut up. I'm going to pray. Take a few minutes. I think these guys will play a song. Walk out of here and go cross that bridge. I'm begging you. For the glory of God, cross that bridge today. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. Oh, Lord Jesus, I pray that these men did not hear my words, words of Frank Khalil. 
Lord, I pray that you have spoken here today. Thank you for that picture you gave us of being a refugee at once, but dying to self and becoming that man you've created us to be, Lord. Father, I know there are so many of us in this room that we are just living in quiet desperation. We're begging, please, God, help me. That only through you do I have the strength to even get up and die to that pride that is just oozing out of me to cross that bridge. And Father, I'm praying that every man in this room will do business with you in a way they've never done before. Because they're all in and they want the goodness that only you can offer. Please, God, change us today. We ask you to move and have your way in us. In Jesus' holy name, I pray. Amen.